the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial, money invested, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Uh... We could talk about Amazon. We could talk. That had to be the story of the year, right? We could talk about Bitcoin collapsing towards the end of the year. How do you feel about that? Is that something that upsets you or is that something you're okay with because it kind of comes with the territory? No pain, no gain. What type of investor are you? I don't know. We could talk about CEO Papa John's out at as CEO of a big pizza franchise who spends a lot of money to buy ad time on the NFL. Say nothing else, but take a look at Papa John's and Domino's Pizza's publicly traded stock. And you go, whoa. So when CEO comes out and says something controversial, not a good idea for job safety. I say some things that are controversial that are not so good for job safety. Ivanka Trump says tax cuts are going to eliminate U.S. debt. And I'll say in my head, are you smoking crack? You know that we've got $20 trillion debt as a nation. But she goes on Fox News and she says... um, she thinks tax cuts combined with deregulation will ultimately eliminate the country's $20 trillion debt. The theory flies in the face of virtually every common sense metric in the world. It's pretty nutty. This is a fine-tuned machine. Now, having our economy get stimulated for the short term is going to be a fine thing. It's going to feel good for the next year two years. And then, as with everything, there's going to be some ramifications. There's what I learned in investing many years ago. There's no right answers. There's just compromises. If you want reward, you have to take risk. It comes with the territory. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money investing in more 2018 or 2017 i don't care it all works together got a big event coming up in palo alto i'd love 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 for you to come to uh at the elks lodge free parking easy parking great location you can sign up at rob black show rob um china is always a big question sometime around the olympics that were the summer olympics that were held in china we started going, hmm, 
you're going to grow up and be a big country, aren't you? And sure enough, they did. For the longest time, they were basically a communist power who didn't share information. And they're like, you know, look, we got a million people here, a million people there, a million people here. We make factories here. We make factories there. Come on in. We open the country to you. China's important. Top policymakers have decided to shift the policy priority from growth quantity to growth quality in China. So they seem to be becoming good citizens of the planet. Will urbanization take on a new impetus? China's government is barking on a new type of urbanization aiming to turn migrant workers into citizens and providing a critical new growth engine to promote domestic consumption. Overcapacity reduction and pollution control are good policy opportunities to upgrade low in manufacturing and mining, encourage investment. China is always going to be something that we have some investor confidence in, we have some investor confidence out. And we'll always, in my lifetime, say, I don't really trust those numbers. Will their net exports decrease? Will their net imports increase? Will their success be growth-oriented from economies of scale? Or will it be the government saying, we'll subsidize you? It's a problem. It, it's it's a good problem. And trust me, I'd rather have China in our world economy than out of it. But we're watching China as investors. And maybe you as a king of what you do or a queen of what you do, maybe not as much. So Beijing, as they try to rein in some leverage and limit financial risks, they tie to their monetary policy, a lot like the U.S. Fed does. You know, their biggest problem is probably real estate. And we as a nation and we as a world, we try too much to be Goldilocksian. Not too hot, not too cold, just right. Real estate values have risen nearly 100% in 24 months in China. And some local authorities are delayed, not reporting or fudging transaction statistics to avoid angering the government. You don't want to anger the government. This is a nation that once took a tank and ran over people. Don't want to anger them. 2018 is also going to be a big year with North Korea. <laughs> we got a Winter Olympics coming up in South Korea, and North Korea's got the ability to launch missiles. And they have a dictator who kind of wants to put on a show. I don't know. Something something feels like it, it could happen there, right? Conditions are ripe for a disaster. Just my opinion. How much Jordan is too much Jordan? I looked at Michael Jordan in his basketball career. I thought he was a ball hog. A lot of people look at him and say he's the greatest ever. I thought he was a ball hog. Nike could be riding the Jordan brand too hard. Analysts from Canaccord Genuity, who said that a new note, a research note, that the market for Jordan has become too saturated and the brand's scarcity factor is waning. And it's led to discounting. Discounting something. I was about to use a bad word and I decided against it. Behave yourself. 
the global appetite for the Jordan brand is strong. And what a deal he made, right? The company Nike is focused on new ways of delivering on the exclusivity and the aspiration that is expected by fans on the iconic Nike brand. And they, they're just riding that pony a little bit too much. Chipotle. Chipotle got into a bit of a problem yet again with their food quality. It's not supposed to give you diarrhea. It's supposed to make you happy. Shares the burrito bowl, burrito and bowl chain were down about two percent, ending the year. There's a website called I Was Poisoned. That's not a good website. So people are reporting that in LA that there's some bad food there, and it's causing problems. Just buy McDonald's. Move on with your life. You know you don't have to own this one. Wait for a year. Wait for six months of good growth. You don't have to own it. You don't have to be El Genius. Speaking of El Genius, CFP Chad Burton and I are going to be at the Palo Alto Elks Lodge January the 11th at 6.30. You can sign up for the event free on retirement income by going to Rob Black Show, Rob Black Show, and using the code RADIO25. See you on January 11th. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. I wildly appreciate it. Let me know if there's anything I can ever do for you, because it's been a joy of my life to participate with you on some levels um, and share the market ideas and stories. And hasn't the last 20 years been fun for investing and investors and getting towards retirement? Don't you wish we would have done a little bit more? Golden State Warriors are going to bet on some tech startups. Okay. Sadly, I have not been to a Warriors game. I've seen them on TV. They look fun. It's not my thing. I was at the athletic club that I go to, which is kind of like a kind of uh help me here. Um, it's almost like a country club, which I just I can't do 24-hour fitness. It's too gross. It's too disgusting. Um... I get that it's way cheaper, but so I'm at my, my club once and it's like going to be the greatest place to have a heart attack at because it's all doctors and lawyers and such like that. I somehow, I think my needs will be attended to if I have a heart attack there, but I saw four guys four of the filthiest, richest people divvy up their season tickets. I'm like, ah, oh. And you hear guys talk to each other on how they're going to, oh, yeah, I'm going to sell three tickets in the playoffs, and basically that'll pay for my whole season. I'm like, what? That's right. Um, Nick Young, Swaggy P, as he's known, his latest member of the NBA champion, Golden State Warriors, to take a stake in a Silicon Valley startup. He's one of more than 20 investors in the $35 million Series B funding round led by New Enterprise Associates for brandless, an e-commerce startup that offers household and food items for $3 or less. Golden State Warriors are investors. This, to me, makes me go, let's think about that for a second. You're an investor, I'm an investor, we're an investor. Like, 
right? Why not them? Steph Curry, two-time NBA League Most Valuable Player. Portland Trailblazers, CJ McCollum. Randy Zuckerberg, sister of Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg. That's got to suck. When someone's talking about you and they're basically, she's real, she's a sister of someone who's famous. Um, so Kevin Durant, he invested an undisclosed amount in August in cloud data management startup Rubric. Rubric. Added Mirror AI, maker of an app that turns selfies into customized emojis. So Durant is an investor. Durant also holds stakes in Postmates, an on-demand delivery service, in Acorns, an investment app, which was introduced to Mirror by angel investor Ron Conway. So the Warriors are all investors, huh? Is that not surprising to you? Steph Curry is co-founder of the social media startup Slice. Andre Iguodala has injected money into Apple, Twitter, Facebook, Tesla. In 2015, eBay acquired twice the online secondhand clothing marketplace, for which Iguodala was Men's Styles director. So the influence of technology is pretty clear at Warriors home games. Courtside seats are often occupied by Salesforce CEO Mark Benioff, Apple executive Eddie Gu, Zach Nelson, CEO of provider of NetSuite, uh, which was sold to Oracle for $9.3 billion last year. A lot going on, right? Hmm. Anyhow, um, did you think there was so much basketball investing money? Or did you think that it's a bad idea when athletes go to invest? A lot going on, right? 800-516-1220. Get your calls on the air. When I got into investing, there was a company called U.S. Steel. And I remember like trying to analyze the steel industry. We need steel when we build buildings. We need steel when we build roads. We need steel when we build things, right? Cars. When was the last time you heard someone like me, who's in financial media, talk about steel? Not very often, right? It ain't sexy. U.S. Department of Commerce expected to finalize a preliminary ruling against Chinese steelmakers redirecting steel to Vietnam to circumvent U.S. import laws and sell products without paying import taxes. So steel is kind of a political play at this point in time. And how much of it is dumped on the markets at state-driven business models. So if China says, we need to have bigger imports... As a company, you don't have to pay taxes if you make steel. You're like, wait, wait, that's not fair. U.S. that they have to pay taxes. like So there turns into this issue, um, political issue. I can't find a reason to own steel. And as an investor, that, that, that flummoxes me. That makes me go, wait. 20 years ago, Rob could find a reason to own steel. Now he can't find a reason to own steel. That's a bit of a problem. That's telling me that there's something wrong in our stock market. Because I used to look at the hole, and now I can't find the hole. I can't even feel it. It's not even there. 
So I'm, I'm flummoxed by that. So I don't know if you're flummoxed by it, but I am. It's like 20 years ago, applied materials was super, super important because we were just coming up with the idea that, you know, uh, the Internet, we were coming up with ideas like the cell phone, um, the smartphone per se. And applied materials makes ovens that that cook semiconductors. I always wanted an easy bake oven. There's something wrong with me as a kid. For some reason, the idea of making cookies in my in my bedroom just I was fascinated by that. I never got one. So if anyone ever wants to give me an easy bake oven, you know the gift to give me to like fulfill my childhood. Anyhow, um, applied materials is a top pick for 2018 because. We're moving into the Internet of Things. We're moving into another cycle of ideas tied towards we need semiconductors for that. And they make the easy bake oven of semiconductors. Semiconductors have to be baked. It's, it's an odd concept, but that's kind of the idea. And they have the technology that can really take us into the next level of 3D, of augmented reality, of virtual reality. The semiconductors are going to have to be really different than what we have today. Capital intensity trends continue to favor applied materials. Whether you're depositing materials on the semiconductor or etching them. Um, Players like Samsung and Micron and Apple, they all need to spend money on foundries to help support the idea of applied materials and, and cooking of semiconductors. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Oakland, California. No way. I would love to convince someone to go with me. Tomorrow night in Oakland? The Killers. Last year, uh, and maybe my producer could find this one when we go back to break, uh, the Lumineers released Blue Christmas. Uh, pretty good cover. So, Lumineers, I think it's kind of like basically three hipsters. I don't know enough about the band, but if I were to die, I'd like to come back as a hipster at the right time. The woman in the band has straight bangs, just pure cut straight. I'm like, and she can play a string instrument, which I find string instruments to be standing bass to be just like pretty damn fantastic. Wow. I can noodle with a piano. I can figure out, you know, brass instruments. I can, I can figure out drums, but I never, ever understood. I, I wasn't even close to understanding string instruments. Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. So, talk a little uh, hipsters. <laughs> you see a lot of hipsters because you, you're living in that Oakland, California part of the world uh, where the hipsters kind of came to and, and took it as their own. Yeah, I love downtown Oakland. Um, Fox Theater area, a lot of hipsters, but it's it's hip to be a hipster right now. No doubt. No doubt. So, let's talk um, about housing at this point in time. What did mortgage rates do in 2017? Well, uh, when Trump was elected, they spiked. Okay. So the first part of the 2017, we saw 
slightly higher rates, over 4%. And they've leveled off slowly through the year, and they've kind of just bounced around. So they're lower than what they started at. Um, you know, we had the job numbers. They came out and kind of reinforcing what the Fed's going to do this next week and possibly see a rate hike. So we actually saw refinance and purchase applications spike leading up to this possible rate hike, uh, which can kind of trickle down into the mortgage rate. So there's a little bit of fear that rates might go up at you know this time of the year. They usually go down unless there's the, the big talks about raising interest rates from the Fed. So one of the things I like talking about hipsters, they're, in my mind, the millennials more often than not. I'm not cool with a hipster beard. I think it kind of looks kind of silly. Um, and there's a guy who does Sharks hockey on television who has the hipster beard. I'm like, it's not working for me, dude. That's terrible. It's not working for me. But I find hipsters are completely 100% tied to real estate prices of where they're going. Remember Wayne Gretzky said, you know, uh, he was the greatest at going to where the puck was going to go. Yeah. Like he was magically there. Like they dumped the puck and like, Oh, Wayne Gretzky has it. Um, and that's a tough thing to do. Have you ever, you've played hockey, right? Where you skate and you skate and you skate and you skate and you try to get to a puck and someone knocks to the other side of the rink and you're like, ah, and you skate and you skate like, and it's a lot of work. So you can cheat in real estate and look where the hipsters are going for jobs and look where the hipsters are going. Cause when they have jobs, they need a place to live, whether it's rental yeah. and or a home. Number one place right now, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Would I ever buy a home in Grand Rapids, Michigan? I can't imagine that I would. What are you, nuts? It'd take about 26% of my income to buy a home. The uh, percentage population under 35, 22%. That's a pretty big number. Number two place where uh, millennials are going for a job. I've loved this one for years and years and years and years and years. I've been saying about it 15 years. Nashville, Tennessee. Yep. Um, I've been on a list for many, many years. Raleigh, North Carolina. Same thing. Same thing. For many years. This one hasn't been only because I have a bias, I think, on some Texas city and El Paso. You know, El Paso beans. (laughs) No, I don't. Well, if you ever make your burritos at home, you'd know El Paso beans. And I'm like, just doesn't work for me. And El Paso could be a lovely city and it looks lovely. Um, But San Antonio, I like. Been on the list for many years. Been on the list for many years. Fort Worth, Texas. A lot of these are getting a lot more recognition as opposed to just recently because of the affordability issues in the larger cities and pushing people into what they call these second tier cities. Now, I'm not sure if they're quite second tier anymore, but we're seeing a lot more people looking in these cities. In fact, the number one, there's two number one destinations for San Francisco Bay Area uh, for outside searches for housing. One of them, Seattle, and the other one is San Antonio. Okay. I would, I would imagine Portland's pretty high up there, too. It is, but it was, so, yeah. It's kind of funny because... Um, and San Antonio reported that their number one search from anywhere in the United States is the Bay Area. So it's reciprocal. Interesting. Um, it's uh, about Portland and moving up there. I've been asked, like, hey, would you ever live in Portland? And I always come back with no. Um, for years and years and years, it was the guy who had the... The, the nose piercing, the ear piercing that got like super big. Like, I'm okay if a guy pierces his ears, but don't put something in that's the size of like a tire. I don't want a tire hanging from someone's ear. And that's what Portland meant to me. So I keep going back and I keep going back and I keep going back. And uh, the last time I was there, I was like, I could live here. Um, because so many San Franciscans have said, we're cashing out, we're moving to Portland. It's now, Port- it's now San Francisco South, North. 
Yeah, so it's kind of like I live in San Carlos, which is what I refer to as Palo Alto. North. I like the culture in Portland. I think a lot of people do. My I have my my parents are from Portland, and uh, I've spent many many years there. And, and I have family, other family members that we visit, and they love it there. Um, yeah, it rains a little bit more, and it snows in the mountains, and but there's still a lot of things to do. What what I think a lot of people in the Bay Area are experiencing, and other people around the West, is that you can uh, the starting tech payroll here for a techie is about $115,000 in Portland slash Seattle. The, it drops about 10%, but home prices are 50% lower. Now those, those numbers are from last year and, and it's since gone up and shrunk the, the difference, but it's still an attractive place to, to move. You make less, but your home prices are lower and there's some state and taxes and sales tax benefits that you can get from one state or the other. I think Portland offers that kind of flexibility. Um, there's some parts of Western, I'm sorry, Eastern Portland that are, are expanding very, very fast and becoming that upscale hipster, if you want to call it, uh, part of town. So I, I like the attraction of Portland, but it's, but the the deals are running out, to speak some real estate ease, if you want. The deals are starting to run out because it's, it is being inundated by a lot of people cashing out and saying, I'm going to buy this property when you can't. And um, there, there was a point in time, do you remember, Rob, when they were, people were putting signs up in their yard saying, please, no San Francisco, no, no oh, yeah. Californians? Right. Yeah. You're raising our rents. You're you're raising our home prices. We don't like it. Well, it's 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 nuts, and I hate to use that word because there's a guy on this radio station who goes, "It's nuts," and I feel like I'm now old, and I can now you I can now say things are nuts. What are you nuts? Um, exactly. I need a catchphrase. I'm, I'm starting to think that I do. Um, your catchphrase. You, well, we you get, have I get loans done. I get loans done. Yeah, so. I should never have coined that at all. Well, here, here's I it's done. Our population's growing. We have uh, large. We have the largest amount of immigration that we're going to see in several years in the United States. Even though, uh, or I'm sorry, house immigration household formation is what I wanted to say. And we got people have to move somewhere. And I think we're we're the, this the last era is over. Well, Amazon expressed it really well. Amazon basically owns Seattle on a lot of levels, and they said we need a second headquarters. Because we've outgrown Seattle. Uh, we can't fit any more people in Seattle. Hey, there's a list of 10 cities in the United States that they're going to move to. If, you, if you're a gambling man, buy property in each one. Right. It's the same thing with Reno. When Tesla said we're going to build a factory, and, and the, you know, Elon Musk said, um, there's any city that wants us to build a factory, offer us some great concessions. And the real estate prices went up when the winner was. Ding, 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 Reno. Yeah. So here's where it's nuts. And this is, you know, we're talking about leaving the big city for the smaller city. Here's where the smaller city comes, the big city. I don't know if I, I sent you this article. I talked about it earlier in the week about the Houston IP firm um, that actually bought a plane, a $3 million jet to fly employees oh, to I, San Francisco. I, I, I saw the article, yeah. So San Francisco's median rent is 4450 bucks. Um do you remember the first time you, you rented a, 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 a apartment? It was like probably a thousand dollars for a three bedroom. Seven fifty, and yeah, you got two roommates. Yeah. And I remember the first time I saw somebody that said a thousand nine nine ninety nine, you know, for a two bedroom, and I couldn't believe it. Forty four hundred and fifty dollars. Where it's become so ludicrous, it's become so nuts that a law firm will fly nine nine lawyers to San Francisco on a regular basis and say meet with clients, um, and then that law firm is able to market to. Companies like Western Digital, companies like Intel and Microsoft, hey, we charge less for our lawyers, 
use us versus the San Francisco lawyers because we actually fly ours in from Houston. They do all the work on the plane, billable hours. Um, that's where we are at this point in time. We're now, I, I know someone who lives in um, Las Vegas and he flies to San Francisco three times a week and flies home three times a week. Leaves at seven, gets there at nine, leaves at five, gets home at seven. Yeah, we had a client that moved to Bend, Oregon and was flying into San Francisco once a week, leaving his you know four kids and his wife at home, and he'd come here and for a whole week and then go home for the weekends. I'm with you. It's Tony Mendez. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. He gets loans done. That's his catchphrase, BayAreaLoanSource.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at KDOW.biz or on the KDOW radio app. How great would it be to get your validation from 20,000 people saying good job? I'm just looking for my... To give another to say, good job mowing the grass. You know? To get validation from 20,000 people singing your songs back at you. Man, your head must get, like, explosive big. Like, you probably need therapy at that point in time. For the opposite reason most people need therapy. Of not getting validation. Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. Talking investing, talking real estate. We just talked about San Francisco's rent at $4,400 a month. You handed me a piece of paper that talked about homeowner equity averaging double digits. What's that story all about? Just the growth in equity. Uh, A lot of people are wondering why refinances are kind of coming back. Okay. And why people are still very interested in getting in houses is because we're seeing, you know, 6% year over year projected by Case Schiller and National Association of Realtors and National Association of Home Builders. They're all saying the same thing. We're going to see 2018 look like another, um, you know, decent return on investment. And, and, and you're looking at billions and billions of dollars of equity running into these houses. And, um, yeah, so you, so you can easily, you know, make some pretty good calculations on why, you know, where people's down payments are coming from. You know, there, there's another piece of paper in front of you that says one third of homes purchased in 2017 were all in cash. Excuse me, you know, somebody's selling a house in California, buying something in San Antonio, for example, in cash. Um, I mean, there's somebody that works at the station that I know that actually has a house in Hayward that they're, they're considering selling and taking that profit and, and moving it to Phoenix, for example, and buying a house in cash. There's a lot of money right now in real estate that, um, has been created over the last five, six years since the you know the, the deep, deep trough of the crash and crisis. Right, and uh, home and equity people lines are trying are... to figure out where that money is going to go. Home equity lines are are making a comeback as well, yeah. which it kind of irks me that I mean you, we went to a bank the other day and just to price it out, and they're at six and a quarter percent, six and a half percent, depending on how much you borrow, and you can borrow from your a thirty-year fixed at four to four and a quarter percent. Same. Why would you go to an equity line and 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 be adjustable? So I don't know why people get pushed into these equity lines when they shouldn't. In a lot of cases, kind of have to run the numbers and how fast you can pay it back and things like that. But uh, um, when you have all that equity, Rob, when you have billions of equity being created every year, that's that's where these banks start pushing all these products. But the problem is, and I agree with this statement, and let's see if you agree with the statement. America is in the throes of an affordable housing crisis. Absolutely. Okay. As a solution, more cities are moving new construction from urban centers to spacious single-family neighborhoods. California, obviously the king of the housing crisis, 
recently paused more than a dozen laws to push new construction in suburban areas. Um, the solution has long been to build upwards, erecting cheap condos and apartments in urban centers, but construction can no longer keep up with the demand in many metro areas. Um, so a lot of planners now are looking to single-family neighborhoods, valuable for their sprawl, valuable for their low density. I used to live in a city that was low density, and now it's high density, and it's driving me crazy to the point that I want to move. Bumping elbows. Uh, knocking boots. Oh, well, it's a little bit different. A little bit different. <laughs> I throw it back at you. How did I know they would go that direction? Uh, uh. <clears throat> um, so in metro areas like the Bay Area and Los Angeles, I mean, obviously two areas of the California where it's problematic, single-family neighborhoods make up 90% of the housing stock. So single-family neighborhoods are where the opportunity is, but building there is taboo. Like in my town, um, back in the 60s, they made a horrible decision to take out the second high school and put in housing. And they put in big box housing. So 2,500, 3,000 square foot houses. And now they're looking at those like, why did we do that? We need a high yeah. school. We need- As a builder, why would you why would you take a piece, of, a couple acres and put three or four or five houses on it, or you can put 50 to 60 condos and maximize and you can go up. You can make more money. It's you know, building it all at once instead of building separate units. Uh, and that's what an urban area like the Bay area is experiencing right now. And unfortunately what we did see in 2000 leading up to 2007, we did see the sprawl already. So I'm a little worried that, when you said sprawl, it kind of was like, it's starting to click. The wheels are starting to turn. Is this a repeat of what we saw back in 2005, 6, and 7? Um, a lot of people that are looking at houses now don't even remember what it was like in 2005, 6, and 7 because they, they weren't thinking about housing. Now they are, and they're like, oh, okay, there's some three, dollars $400,000 house you know, 30 miles that way. But what, what, are, what are all these houses that I'm passing on the way to that? I mean, what happened to those in 2007, 8, 9, 10, 11? It's kind of crazy to think that... We may repeat what we experienced. Oh, we but will. The, but it's it's out there. So the Salesforce Tower is something that it actually bums me out. Like I actually get sad seeing it. I used to love the Transamerica Pyramid, um, Transamerica Tower. Um, that was like an iconic San Francisco image to me. And now all I see is that that damn Salesforce dot com building. Um, it's a big skyscraper. Like it's too big, in my opinion. I used to be. I, I used to not be able to see any buildings at all in San Francisco. Now, from where I live, I can see that at the tip of it. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, so that's yeah, funny because it it dominates the skyline. Mark Dannon used to live in Napa. He's his house almost burned down, so he quit his job and moved, um, which is fascinating to me. He was able to see the Transamerica. Uh, he was able to nice. see the Salesforce Tower from his his home. It's uh Pretty tall building, second tallest building west of the Mississippi after the Wilshire Grand Center in Los Angeles. You sound old today, like progress is like infringing on your... No, it's not so much that. It's just, it's discouraging. It's like when you drive and... I I, put people somewhere. I feel like like I've seen four hotels go up in 30 days. That's what it feels like on my drive. Crane here, crane there, crane everywhere. Tony Mendez, BayAreaLandSource.com. It's BayAreaLandSource.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.